Well, good morning again. I didn't think we were going to have this many people here this morning. I commend you for uh, getting up and coming out on this New Year's Day. It's always great to start a new thing, isn't it? And, and so I, I thought Psalm 1 would be appropriate. It's the beginning of the Psalms. I don't know if it ever occurred to you, but Psalm 1 is the first Psalm. <laughs> Aren't you glad I had a PhD? Um, the, uh, the reason Psalm 1 is Psalm 1 is that it's the gateway to the Psalms. I mean, it, David didn't sit down and start writing and just write all these psalms. These psalms were written over, uh, really over millennium. The earliest one by Moses, Psalm 90, around 1400 B.C. And then the last one, uh, written during the Babylonian captivity, uh, Psalm 137, <coughs> written almost a thousand years later. So then uh, they were gathered into five books, five uh, collections of psalms, and then it was probably Ezra, right at the end of the Old Testament period, who gathered them together and put them in the form that we have them as the Psalter. And uh, many believe that uh, uh, probably it was Ezra who wrote this first psalm as, a, as, a, as an entrance to the whole book of the Psalms. Let me read it. Uh, Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in Yahweh's Torah, the law of the Lord. And in God's law, he meditates day and night. That's all we're going to look at, those first three verses. Oh, no, I'm not. We're going to do the next one. And so... This person will be like a tree, firmly planted by a stream of water, which yields fruit in season, its leaf does not wither, and whatever she does, she prospers. And what the psalmist wants us to understand is that these collection of beautiful hymns, of beautiful songs, beautiful poems, are supposed to mean something. They're supposed to make a difference. But if we don't get through Psalm 1, the rest of the Psalms are closed to us. We read some of David's exalted, beautiful hymns of praise, and we read them, and intellectually we say, you know, wow, that's beautiful. But I don't feel that. You know, I, I, you know, good for you, David, and I, I wish I did, but that doesn't really... Nice stuff, beautiful poetry. Or we read Psalm 3, where David reads, O Lord, how many are my foes, how many make uh, rise up against me. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. David was running from his enemies. They were out to kill him. And that psalm ended, I laid down and went to sleep. <laughs> David said, you know what? These clowns are after my life, but I trust in God, and I'm just going to go get a good night's sleep. And you say, wow, man, you know, I, 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 I can't do that. I can't have that kind of trust in God. How, how can I 
experience God like that, where at the worst time of my life, I could just say, Lord, I give it to you. It's what the book of Hebrews refers to as God's rest. And so all of these beautiful sentiments and feelings and, and truths that are in the book of Psalms open up to us if we understand what the psalmist is telling us in this first psalm. It says, blessed is the person. The word blessed, uh, I'm still doing a little bit of this thing. I told some folks I can talk again, but I still can't sing, but I never could, so we haven't really lost anything there. So, <laughs> so a little bit scratchy, but anyway, blessed is the person. Blessed is the person. The word ashray, it means fulfilled, joyful, contented, uh, happy. In the, in the Jeffersonian sense of happy, that the, the, the happiness is, is, is trusting, uh, life is full. Life seems to be working like it should work. That's what the, this was just talking about. The word, the word is God blessed Abraham, where God's supernatural invention, where God does things for people. That's not what he's talking about here. This is a wisdom psalm. This is a psalm that says life to some extent, is what you make it. To the Hebrew mind, God's blessing was partially God's involvement in a person's life, but often God's, the way God was involved in a person's life was conditioned by how that person responded to God. All of us are moving. It's kind of makes life exciting. Everyone is going somewhere. Many of us are going forward, and tragically, many of us are going backwards. And this psalm said life is going one way or the other. Happy, fulfilled, blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. And he uses these equivalent terms that, that moves us forward in, in, a, in a deeper kind of thinking. He goes from walking, standing, sitting. Jeanette and I used to like to go to the mall. And we'd walk around. You walk by a store and hold it. We'd stand, and we'd look. The next thing you know, we're sitting in there trying something on. And I'm saying, I'm take out a second mortgage here. <laughs> yeah, so a gradual intensification, a gradual more identification with, does not walk in the path of the ungodly. Now, these are people who are maybe not vile sinners, but they're people who, they're kind of tacky. They're just grumpy. They're just not nice people. The ungodly, not all of them, but that's what he's describing. This, the, 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 the wicked, they're, they, they, they don't do nice things for people. But then we move gradually to the next. Does not uh, stand in the place of sinners. Now these are people, they're a little more nasty. They're a little more they're more involved with this negative stuff. And you say, well, tell me about that person. She's a sinner. 
Oh, man. How'd you like to be that? And then the third category does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, these are people who are, they ridicule. They, they, they scoff at, at godliness. Uh, I, I, there's a book in our library called The uh, Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. And it's a, I just picked it up while we were for staff meeting, and I, I saw it laying out. I looked at it, and I picked it up and read a little bit of it. I went out and bought three copies of it, one for me, one for my son, and one for a friend. And my son and I read the first part when I was up there at Christmas. I gave it to him sort of as a Christmas present. And we read the chapter on comparison. And Brene, she has diff, seven different emotions that are compared, that are generated when we compare ourselves with others. And it goes from uh, we, we praise others, we honor others, and then it goes down all the way to this, this uh, German word <coughs> called schadenfreude. You've, yeah, you've heard that. That's sort of come into our language a bit. But what it means is people who laugh at other people's failures. People who, who gloat. And the illustration Brene Brown used in the book was somebody who scoffed at people who get the COVID shot. And then the scoffer gets COVID. And people say, ha, serves you right. It's that kind of people who ridicule. Now, some of us, and, and I, I like humor. Some of you may have picked that up here or there. I like humor. And, and one of a kind of humor that I'm really pretty good at is sarcasm. Bad news. My dear wife, Jeanette, used to get on me for that. And mocking. Because some of the funniest things are just about mocking people. And one night we were at dinner with some folks, and, and uh, one of the folks were, just had become new to the church we were attending. It was a church group. And these people had just been delivered from a very rigid, fundamentalist, separatist church. And, and they, just, they were just so superior to those poor, blighted, ignorant people who were still going to that church and still believed. And I sat there listening to them and how tragic that was, and I thought, that's me. That sounds like me. What an awful thing to be a mocker, to find joy in putting a... So what he's saying is this: there's a gradual... Thing where people they they and it is a it's a it's like an addiction sin is you know people start off and I'm I'm not I'm not a teetotaler I don't, I'm not going there but I I I have never talked to a, a homeless drunk who said this was my life's dream or a drug addict. Or somebody who's addicted to pornography. Nobody starts off that way. Nobody intends for that to happen. But the psalmist says we, we walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We take advice. We pick up our values. We pick up our attitudes. We pick up what's right and wrong from people who are ungodly. 
And so we begin. We says, yeah, it's kind of innocent. It's not too bad. And the next thing you know, we're up to a more difficult things, more obnoxious things, and people say, he's a sinner. Beware of that person. And then if we don't check that vicious cycle, we end up just mocking at godly, mocking at good stuff. Those stupid people don't. And so the psalmist is saying that's, that's not what this book of psalms is all about. What these psalms do is deliver you from that. That's not a happy life. That's not a fulfilled life. That's a negative downer life. Don't go there. How blessed is the person, how fulfilled is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. But by contrast, her delight, what fulfills her, what brings joy, is the law of the Lord, Yahweh's Torah. It is saying we have the instruction book from God. At the time, it was the law of Moses. And, and they understood that God had taken Moses up on the mountain and said, Moses, you want life to work? I'm going to give you the instruction book. It's like God created us, watched us for a while, and said, you know, these people really don't know how to make this thing work. They need a book of instructions. And, and you know, if I go home today and, and my refrigerator isn't working, uh, and, and I have a, get my screwdriver out and play around with it, it doesn't work. You, you know what I do after a while? Go get the instruction book. I don't do that first. But if I want to fix something that's broken, I read the instructions. And God says, read the instructions. Delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. <sighs> Meditation is to the mind what digestion is to the body. It breaks things down. It lets us absorb it. It lets us take it into our system. It's like eating a spinach salad, and then it digests it, and it brings health to my body. And I read this, and I, I, I understand it. I think I understand it. I spend time with it. And then I say, it's like Kathy was talking about this morning with Alexia Divina. It's reading it as sacred. It is Yahweh's Torah. Instructions from the creator, from the manufacturer. God made Life. Who's better equipped to teach us how it works? So read the instruction book and think about it. Meditate on it. And this whole idea of meditating on a day is constantly before me as I'm making decisions, as I'm making choices, as I'm responding to people, as I'm responding to life. The first question that I should ask is how would God have me respond to this? How would God have me make this decision? And if I come up with, I don't know, got that ready instruction book. Come on, doofus, read the word. 
Read the instructions and follow them. Meditate on them. And meditate on them. says, well, I have to run home and get my Bible. No, I've memorized that passage. I've processed that passage. I've internalized that passage. I've come to the place where it's just how I live. I couldn't imagine not living any other. I'm tempted to live other. No, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about this person. I'm getting there, but I'm not there yet. And neither are you, so don't look so pious. We're in the process. It's a life. Like I said, we're all moving. We're all on a journey. And the journey downward is described in verse 1. The journey upward is delighting in the law of the Lord. And why do we delight in it? And when I first read that, I thought, delight? In the law of the Lord, it's, it's interesting, it's good. I don't delight in it. What's the deal? It's not like a hot fudge Sunday. That I delight in. But this is hard work. I'd rather read a comic book at that point in my life. Maybe not now. But anyway, I delight in it because of what it does. Sometimes it's hard work. You read some of these psalms, some of these passages, and you read it and you say, Huh? And I have to go back and I actually have to think. Oh, God, can you imagine that? I have to think. Yeah, and I have to pray. Lord, I don't get this. And so I have to work with it. But I delight in that because I've seen what happens. And so the psalmist goes to the next verse. Blessed is the person who, does, who avoids sin like the plague who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates in it, and so, and so, verse 3, that person will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season, its leaf does not wither, and whatever she does, she prospers. Now, this first image, a tree firmly planted by streams, golly, yeah, i got all kinds of time. What'd you do, Tom? You turned me loose early today. Oh, New Year's. Well, I won't use all that time. People saying, put your watch back on. We're ready to go home. <laughs> a tree planted by a stream of water, it's next to, it's, it's actually Pelagay Marim. It's an irrigation ditch, so it's not just weeping willow by the little stream in the woods. This tree has been planted specifically close to its source of strength. And, and by a stream of water means that there's water uh, deep. Uh, when I, uh, I was, uh, the guy I lived with in high school, I went back to work with him after college. And uh, Chris had, uh, it was at a Bible conference, and it was called the, the uh, gardens, the people used to refer to as the garden center of the Adirondacks. It was up near Lake Placid. And Chris, my guardian, my dear grand, kid's grandfather, sort of, was a gardener. And he had uh, 150 rose bushes. And when he went to heaven, I inherited all that. So, like I said, I got the instruction book. He taught me some of that stuff, but I, I, I was in charge of the roses. And one of the things he taught me, and one of the things I read in the books, is that when you water plants, water them deeply. In other words, you don't just sprinkle water on the top of the ground, but you let that water go down deep, and then you don't water them for a little bit, you let, so that, because the ground dries from the top down. And if you water them deeply, and that water is down there, the roots go down to the moisture, down to where the rich 
nutrients are, and you'll have healthier plants. And then if the dog runs through your rose garden and they don't, you can't pull them out, the wind doesn't blow them over because they're deep. Those roots are deep. And so this tree planted by a stream of water, it has a sense of stability. And that's the picture. That's the picture. This, now, he's not talking about trees. I mean, probably nobody said, oh, all my life I wanted to be like a tree. No, this is, this is a, a metaphor. It's a picture, actually a, a simile. Like a tree. Like a tree that's firmly planted by streams of water. This person who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it has deep roots in God's Torah. Has a sense of stability. They're not blown about by every wind of doctrine, as Paul says in Ephesians. They know what they're about. They know who they are. They know who their God is. There's a sense of stability. And so because of that sense of stability, they produce fruit in season. They produce fruit in season. Now, they just do what God created them to do. Apple trees produce apples. If you ever see a farmer out in his orchard yelling at his apple trees, telling them to produce apples, get him a straitjacket. I mean, you, you don't get apples on your tree by yelling at your trees. You get apples on your tree by fertilizing the soil under them. And I see people yelling at their kids, telling them to do things, to be, they, be certain ways. And yelling at our kids or yelling at our spouse and telling them to be a certain way is like a farmer yelling at an apple tree. You want people to be good people? Feed them, fertilize them, get them into the Word of God, get them into this. The change begins with changing of values. It's a growth process. Change rarely happens. It's more often a growth thing. Producing fruit in season. Apple, well, you know why apple trees produce apples? Because they're apple trees. They do what God created them to do. And this person. So how is a person like a tree that produces fruit? We just, uh, we are becoming what God created us to become. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. I can grit my teeth and make all my New Year's resolutions and I can try to be all those things. And those are be things, not do things. Those fruits, the fruit of the Spirit. Those are ways of being which produce the good acts. But I don't just try to be more loving. I allow the Holy Spirit to change me, to help me grow, to help me grow into that. The fruit of the Spirit produces fruit in season. The leaf does not wither. So the first thing is stability. The second thing is productivity. The third thing is consistency. Leaf does not wither. See the psalmist looking over this desert landscape, a lot of brown, dried up trees, and suddenly this stops. This one is green. Its leaves are fresh, and, and, and it's green. He goes over and looks, well, it's planted by a stream of water. And so it's always fresh. How is a person like a tree whose leaf doesn't wither? Well, Sometimes life dries up. Sometimes we hit spiritual droughts. We hit tough times. 
And some folks just collapse. They just shrivel up. Their leaves dry up. Others face into that wind. They face into that storm. They face into that drought. And yeah, they, 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 they mourn. They're sad. They're hard. But they don't cave in. There's a sense of strength, of stability that takes them through those hard times. Their leaf does not wither. And whatever they do, they prosper. Whatever they do, they prosper. Why? Because they delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. And this idea of prosper, some people think, well, prosperity, that sounds like you're supposed to have money, rich. I said, no, no. Let me give you a little exercise to do in this New Year's Day. Ask yourself, how much am I worth? And then answer it without any reference to money. How much am I worth to whom? How much do I matter to anybody? What difference do I make on planet Earth? How much am I worth? See, prosperity is measured by the, it's the distance between a person and his goals at a given point in time. If I don't know your goals, I don't know if you're successful or not. If you don't know your goals, you have no way to know whether you're prosperous or successful. That word means successful, effective. And this person who's writing this psalm has a very specific kind of goal. It's to be ashray, to be fulfilled. To be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, yielding fruit, in season, being, processing life as God intended me to be. Leaf does not wither. Consistency, up and down, yes, but not the highs and the lows. A more even sense because God is at the center of my life. And everything I do in achieving the goal of being a godly, fulfilled, ashray, blessed person works because I'm deeply rooted in God's word. Peter made a similar statement to us about this life that's moving and about being fulfilled and about being the person God created us to be. Second Peter chapter 1. For this very reason, because God is involved in your life, that's what he's been talking about in these first four verses of Second Peter. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, Agape, love. God is involved in our life. God is doing his thing in the world. But what the psalmist says and what Peter says, you've got to get involved. You've got to get involved. Peter says, make every 
effort, spude, you know that word, hard effort to build your life, to add, to add, to add. And how do I know what to add? Delight in the law of the Lord, in his law he meditates day and night. And Father, we thank you for this book, this book of instruction, this book of encouragement, this book that teaches us the law of Yahweh. So as we go from this place today, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that we will devour your word. We will read it, meditate on it, and live by it. In the powerful name of Jesus.